Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we discuss this weekend's game against the Indianapolis Colts. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, how you doing, buddy? I am fantastic. After you you riled up the, the Twitter crowd with your episode with Evan? Apparently. I mean... <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't understand the kerfuffle. I don't either. Well, that's all right. You know, pe- people are entitled to their opinions, I suppose. I don't I don't think you guys said anything overly like crazy, but hey, it is what it is. But we're not here. Well, I just I felt like I was kind of arguing against myself because and Evan and I were talking about like we didn't say that it meant something. Like we we actually both agreed that it most likely very much meant nothing, but it was something that was being talked about. And, uh, I mean, evidence of it being talked about is the fact that the article that Bailey wrote for BucksNation.com is, was the top view getter yesterday on the site and is the top view getter again today on the website. So, I mean, it's, it's relevant information. Like I get people kind of wondering why maybe the question was asked and all that. And I get that, but things change, you know, he, Bruce Arian said that he was going to give it a full in what August, July. It's it's December, and and things change. You know, as, as much as people don't want to understand that, like things do change as time goes on. Like in August or July, Vernon Hargraves was the number one cornerback and was going to do great things for this defense. In December, he's a Houston Texan. So I mean, things do change. Um, it, it wasn't like a Bill Belichick situation, at least that I'm aware of. I mean. Like if, if whoever, I don't even know who asked the question, to be honest with you, but whoever asked the question, because it wasn't Jenna, because she wrote in her article, Bruce Arians was asked, which is journalism speak for, I didn't ask the question. Uh, so I don't know who asked the question, but if the question was asked and he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to pass on that. I'll wait till December. Okay. Asked if the reporter was like, oh, but I mean, we're in December. Why do you have to wait till the end of December? I mean, you've seen 12 weeks of it. Like, okay, well, now you're getting into annoying Bill Belichick type of, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you ask the question, move on. And what Evan and I did was just comment on the question being asked, said that, you know, this is what his answer was. And and we essentially ran through the gambit of options that that response could mean. 
And then at the end, wrapped it all up with a bow saying, we don't really think it meant a whole lot of anything. So, I mean, if, if there was any complaint about it, I would think it was, why did you spend 10 minutes just to finish it with saying, I don't really think this is anything. And my answer would still be, well, the fact that it's the leading news story on our site for two days running tells you why we talked about it. As much as people don't like it, it's, it's information that's happening with the Buccaneers. Again, this team ends and starts and ends with Jameis Winston. So anything that has to do with Jameis Winston is going to be noteworthy. Um, but anyway, I don't have any hard feelings. I just was confused why we were being told that we were feeding into a negative uh, storyline when we definitely were not. Yeah. Uh, again, like I said, I didn't understand the kerfuffle. I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a hard time about it, but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot to do about nothing. But then again, uh, like when when you and I were talking, it's like, well, yeah, we in the end don't really think it means anything. But if we don't talk about it, people are going to say, oh, well, why are you avoiding talking about this? Like, it's that's what we do. That's what we have to do. Yeah. If we don't yeah. talk about it, then we're irresponsible. If we do talk about it, then people are going to find ways to nitpick what we say about it. So it is what it is. We are moving on. To, uh, to talk about the game this Sunday between the Colts and the Bucks. If you do not get a chance to listen to my crossover episode with Evan on Wednesday, not Evan Winter of Bucks Nation, Evan uh, Sideri of Locked On Colts, um, I, under, I apologize to all of you that, that uh, the, the episode went up late. We were getting ready to record. He got called into work. We, we had to wait until... Uh, later in the afternoon on Wednesday before we could record, got it up as soon as we could, but it is there. Go check it out. Some great information uh, about the Colts and goodness gracious, David, they are, they are so overloaded with injuries. This is the situation I'm in now. The Colts are so banged up offensively and defensively that we are heading into this weekend thinking that the Bucks should absolutely win this game. You're playing at home. You're playing against a beaten and battered team that is on an absolute snide. I think they, they started off five and one and they're one in five in their last six. So there's no reason that if the Buccaneers play the way they have the last three weeks, that they should not win this game which makes me think they are going to find a way to lose this game. Anybody um, getting that feeling? Just me? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how this season is going because over the last few weeks, the Buck team that's in a very similar situation as they are, uh, record-wise and situation-wise and everything else, and this one is, is no different. Uh, they're not, they don't have the same records, but if the Buccaneers beat the Indianapolis Colts, they advance to 6-7. and seven. The Colts have lost three of their last four games. So... While while they're not exactly in the same situation, there are some contrasting things about these teams that are very – it's very interesting to see the way this is working out. And it helped me in my math projections because I'm superstitious and the Buccaneers have won two weeks in a row when I use a math equation that kind of makes sense but doesn't actually really speak to why the game's going to go the way it goes to make a prediction. So I did it again and you know we'll get to that later obviously but – uh, they're they're also two and zero when we talk about Star Wars at the end of our Friday podcast. That is one of those actually plays a factor. So I'm just going to keep both going, and I have not changed my socks it, since that first episode. Gross. Hey, if it if it works, touche. It's only crazy if it doesn't work. Exactly. 
All right. Well, David, um, you know, obviously we, you know, I, I talked a lot about this game on Wednesday with, with Evan, um, heading into this game. Looks like there's a a chance. Marlon Mack can be back. Looks like your boy Paris Campbell might be returning as well. When you look at this Colts offense and the struggles that Jacoby Brissett has had recently, despite such a hot start, you know, the early in the season, uh, with, with the Colts, a lot of people, within the fandom we're thinking you know what we might have something with Brissett. he got an extension he was very careful about protecting the football he was making plays they were winning games now they're on a snide they're talking quarterback in round one mm. uh looking at that kid at a at a utah state uh, you know the the honeymoon period with jacoby Brissett is over so when you take a look at the way this colts offense has been playing over the stretch of the last five or six games and you take a look at the way the bucks defense has been playing over the the stretch of the last couple of weeks how do you see this matchup going uh i see this matchup going very well for the buccaneers because the indianapolis colts are a shell of their former selves. And it sucks because you said on the crossover that the Colts are kind of like the team that you like secretly kind of pull for, you know, because you have some personal connections with them with some friends. You're you're located fairly close to them. I mean, during the combine, you drove back and forth every day. So I did. you have a general vicinity with them. And I mean, when when the, the two closest football teams to you or the three closest football teams to you are the Colts, the Bengals, and the Buckeyes, you hate the the, the Bengals and the Buckeyes so to bring some balance to your life, you can't hate them all. So uh, I think by default, I kind of <laughs> like the Colts. And honestly, I like the Colts. I mean, I'm not like a fan of I don't have, you know, a Colts hat or anything anywhere, but I do like the Colts. I like the Colts when they had Peyton Manning. I've liked Andrew Luck. Uh pretty much every single head coach they've had since I've really been aware of them, I've been a fan of. Uh not sure what I think about their owner, but you know, whatever. Um, they draft Buckeyes from from time to time, which of course is just going to draw my attention because of that allegiance over there. Marlon Mack was a guy that you and I were standing on the table when he came out of USF, and you know now he's there. I mean Malik Hooker, you know so on and so forth. Uh, I mean it's just it's just a team that I've I've kind of drawn to over the years, you know, without becoming like a full blown fan of them. But yeah, they're they're completely decimated by by injury and retirement. But you know. At the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers aren't going to come out in Raymond James Stadium and say, oh, man, Andrew retired before the season started. That sucks. Oh, man, Eric Ebron is on IR. That sucks. Oh, man, T.Y. Hilton is still not playing. That sucks. Oh, man, Paris Hilton, you're playing with a broken hand. That sucks. Like, they don't care. And they're not, not going to – and they're not so – and Ron Rivera found out that in the NFL, you got to make hap- you got to make things happen with what you have. And Frank Wright understands that. But the thing about this game – is that if there's a head coach in the National Football League that knows what it's like to be an underdog, knows what it's like to fight back as an underdog, and knows what it's like to win as an underdog, it's Frank Wright. The Indianapolis Colts are going to come out. You're not going to get first half Jacksonville in this game. Like the first half Jacksonville Jaguars, that was a team that was looking bad for themselves. That was woe is us. And oh man, our team sucks and we're not doing well. And we thought we'd be better. And boo. And then Gardner Minshew stepped on the field in the second half, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, now we're going to try hard again, but we still suck. Apple's Colts are going to come out Sunday trying to win. They're going to come out Sunday saying, this is the best team we can field right now. We're going to come out here and be the best team we can field right now for our coach, for each other, for this logo, whatever you want to call it. I do not see a Frank Wright team quitting on him ever. So if the Buccaneers come into this game feeling themselves a little bit, 
And the Buccaneers come into this game looking across the, across the way at all the, the medical tents that they're going to need. It, it has the feeling of a trap game, which is weird when you talk about a 5-7 and seven team going up against a 6-6 six and six team that, like you said, just a few weeks ago was right in the thick of the playoff hunt and division title hunt and all that stuff. You wouldn't think that this could be a trap game record, but it does have a feel of a trap game. All right. Well, as as we discussed off air ahead of time, we're going to try to not make this uh, a marathon episode. So, David, why don't we go ahead and start diving right into it with our predictive offensive and defensive players of the game? Who are you looking at on the offensive side? I'm going to go with Jameis. I haven't picked Jameis in a little while, so I'm going to go with Jameis. Um, I know it's easy button, but in this game more than any, again, when you talk about trap game situations, those are the games where you really need your quarterback to kind of be on point. I don't mean he needs to bring his A game. Like He doesn't need 300 yards and four touchdowns, even though if he's on your fantasy team, you'd love it. Got it. But We're not talking about fantasy football ever again. I'm talking about fantasy football every day because I have to get ready for my playoff matchup. But anyway. I hate you. <laughs> this team needs turnover-free Jameis. And honestly, I mean, if we're being real about it, I feel like they can probably get away with a couple turnovers, To to just to be honest. As long as they're not like a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown. Like If it's a turnover where the defense has a chance to hold them to a field goal or the defense even maybe has a chance to get the ball back or force them into a punt, this team can this this game feels like a game where they can withstand a couple turnovers. But if we get like three interception Jameis or we get like dangerous throw Jameis kind of just waiting, you know, you know the Jameis where they're not getting intercepted, but you just kind of have that feeling that the, the dam is gonna break when you're down by one possession and there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter and you're driving. You know what I mean? Um we can't have that Jameis Winston. So Jameis Winston comes out and plays a calm and collected, safe game then everything should be fine. The trap game, curse, whatever, should be avoided. Uh, but if Jameis Winston comes out and, I don't know, maybe he's like, this is my chance to have a statement game, you know what I mean, and essentially goes out there like we've talked about before and tries to be really good instead of just playing the game, then that could that could be disastrous for this team. So for that reason, Jameis Winston is my offensive player. Well, if Jameis is going to be your offensive player, he's going to need someone to get the ball to. This has all the makings of a Mike Evans game. The Colts secondary does not have the personnel to match up against the weapons that the Buccaneers have on offense. It's something that, that Evan and I talked about extensively. So they're either going to waste all their resources trying to shut Mike Evans down, leaving themselves vulnerable to Chris Godwin, perhaps Brashad Perryman and OJ Howard get involved again. I wrote about that for Bucks Nation. Jameis was really excited to see their involvement and their production against the Jags. Hopefully that snowballs and continues for a strong end of the season for both of those guys. But the Colts just flat out don't have the players that can shut down Mike Evans. And it's been a little while since we've had a Mike Evans game. He got plenty of targets against the Jags just wasn't able to bring in the ball. Of course, you had some pass interference problems. You had the incredible catch that wasn't a catch because uh, A.J. Bouye's fat leg got in the way of, of Mike getting that foot down. So, yes. Are, are you laughing at me calling A.J. Bouye's leg fat? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, he could probably lift more weight with that leg than I could <laughs> with my entire body. Um but it still upset me because what a catch that was. Yeah, um, I, I enjoy it. Good. So, yeah, I, I think we're in for a big, big night or afternoon out of Mike Evans. I'm thinking a mm, give me a buck 20 and two. 
for for Mike Evans. Nice. And yeah, the guy in my fantasy league is on a buy, so I'm good with that. And to your point, I mean, yeah, it definitely, I mean, the 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 secondary for the Colts is is not uh, what they had hoped it would be and what it could have been. And then to add to things, uh, Rocky Asin, who I know you guys talked about pretty extensively on the crossover, was not even on the injury report on Wednesday and hit the injury report on Thursday as a limited participant with an ankle injury. So, I mean, he was limited, which, you know, who knows, you know, what what that means. Um, to me, it kind of sounds like he was injured during practice. So whether or not Rock practices on Friday – and how much he practices on Friday is going to be huge um, because, you know, uh, as 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 a fine artist once said. All right, David, who do you have you for your predictive defensive player? So I think we need to call Vita Vea off limits for this game. Really? Yeah, because he's it's obvious. I mean, Evan already wrote about it. I said on the podcast with Evan that. Vita's probably going to be the X factor. Quentin Nelson is probably going to be the know your enemy because everybody wants to see the Quentin Nelson Vita Vea matchup. You guys talked about it on the crossover. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, like Jameis Winston is kind of cherry picking. I'll, I'll be honest, but Vita Vea in this matchup is really cherry picking. So, what do you say? I mean, yeah, I guess that's fine. I honestly would not have picked him uh, for my defensive, predictive defensive player of the game because. He is going up against Quentin Nelson, who is an absolute monster. So I don't know. It's going to be an interesting test to watch. That's what I'm most intrigued about is watching that matchup. But I don't think Vea is going to go in there and handle Quentin Nelson. We shall see. We shall. I'm going to go with Carlton Davis. Paris Campbell should be playing. He's been a full participant in practice this week so far. Obviously, there's one more day. But he was close to playing last week with that hand, but they just kind of like at the last minute, from my understanding, decided, yeah, we're we're going to back it off. We're going to give it one more week. Um, the guys over at the Pewter Nation podcast uh, very very much referred to this game for the Colts as a playoff game. If they fall to six and seven, even in the AFC, that's that's such a bad bad look for their for their playoff chances. And I completely agree. And Paris Campbell, you know, coming from one of the greatest college football programs and and you know that mankind has ever seen knows what it's Michigan. like to be a competitor knows what it's like to wow knows what it's like even illinois fans just shuddered at the fact that you just said that knows what it's like to have to go out there with the odds stacked against them and and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. paris campbell's gonna play unless something just dramatic happens tomorrow which i cannot imagine or on friday which i cannot imagine this coaching staff is even going to put paris campbell in a position to where something quote-unquote dramatic could happen on a friday practice before a game because they need him so much with T.Y. out. And, you know, uh, Funches obviously has been out. I mean, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that. But So Paris Campbell is going to be looked at as basically the number one receiver in this game. And while, you know, even as much as I love where he came from, obviously, the dude's not ready to be a number one wide receiver. But he has some physical tools. The guy has some intangible skills that he brought into the NFL that he is capable of using. And if Carlton Davis... Again, it's it's kind of the whole trap game thing, right? If Carlton Davis comes in thinking, oh, here's this this rookie who's not supposed to be the number one, ha ha ha, and, and all this stuff, that he could very much get uh, he could very much get beaten because of that that mentality. So, again, if if Carlton Davis lets Paris Campbell get loose here here and there uh, and, and get some wins on him, Carlton is is a grabby kind of guy, and he gets grabbier the more he gets beat. And these referees, I'm, I'm promising you, these officials have not forgotten the early season penalty issues that Carlton Davis has had. 
And honestly, I mean, knowing that he's going up against a receiver that's got a broken hand, I don't know. Like, they may give Paris Campbell a few sympathy calls. You know what I mean? So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But that right there, because offensively, if if Paris Campbell can't get going, uh, then it, sh- it should be fine. Man, this this game is so stacked for the Buccaneers. That's not good. It has me so worried. It really does. Like, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm like, this feels like the Giants game. There was no reason the Buccaneers should have lost the Giants game, and they well, found a way to do it. But even the Giants game, I came on the sh- I was on the show, and I said Daniel Jones has a certain skill set that actually balances against what the Buccaneers defense likes to do fairly well. So as long as he doesn't turn over the ball three times, which I think he turned over what twice, like we talked about his his pocket fumbles, which he had a pocket fumble in that game. Like that game, I I was kind of the only guy sitting there being like. Eh. Daniel Jones actually has some skills that could could potentially match up against the Buccaneers defense. Well, I'm looking at this game, and I'm a Jacoby Brissett fan. Jacoby Brissett does not have the requisite skill set to defeat this pass rush by himself, and he doesn't have the receipt. Even Paris Campbell, I love Paris Campbell, but his speed is more long speed, and it's not quick speed. So, again, that's where Carlton Davis comes in. Like If he can jam him, mess up that timing a little bit, um, obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna steal your thunder, but obviously there's some other matchups in here. But yeah, man, I mean, this game of all the games this year just feels like like it's not even like us trying to just pump up the fan base and you know support the Bucks and yay win streak. Like legit, it just feels like a game they should win, which is not a good feeling. I don't know if it's not a good feeling or if it's just an unfamiliar one. <laughs> Could be fear of the unknown. Maybe that, that could be. One of those. There you go. Um, all right, I'm going to cherry pick a little bit for mine. It's Devin White, man. This guy is coming in. He's setting the tone for the team. He was well, defensive rookie of the month. Um, he's he's entering that defensive player of the year conversation, uh, or, or defensive rookie of the year. I'm sorry, defensive rookie of the year say. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, defensive rookie of the year conversation. Yes, I agree. Yeah, not not defensive player of the year, but defensive rookie of the year. And and it's because of the level he's raised his game to over the course of the last two months. We see it's every week now, David. Every week he does something new that he's never done in the NFL before. I don't know how many more things he has. Uh, a pick six, I guess. Yeah, I get a pick six. I mean, he could get a strip sack and fumble return for a touchdown on the same play. He hasn't done that yet. Well, how about he just does them both in this game? Strip sack, fumble recovery, touchdown, yeah. pick six. And you know what? He's, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get somebody in the backfield for a safety. He's going to do it all because he's racing his game to that level right now. And people are starting to take notice. Unlike poor Levante David, who continuously puts up all pro numbers year in and year out and still can't get into the pro bowl to save his freaking life, which is a travesty. Um, But yeah, it's just, he's going to set the tone. He's going to be focusing on whoever the running back is, whether it's Mac or, or um, you know, somebody else, they, they have another, you know, an entire stable of, of running backs that they've been switching in and out because of Max injury, you know, covering uh baby hands Doyle uh at, at <laughs> tight end. What he's got he's got baby hands. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> but that's that's key because I mean pretty much every fantasy football expert out there is saying to start Jack Doyle this this week, which not for nothing is a direct insult at Devin White. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. Don't start. Don't start baby hands, Doyle. Don't do that. Uh, but then again, what do I know? I missed the playoffs because Chris Garson is a jerk who subbed himself out to give his teammate two touchdowns. Who does that? Just a really good teammate, man. I'll bet you he started Rashad Penny in his fantasy league. Wow. And that's what happened. Yikes. He's like, yo, Rashad, um, dude, I need 10 points out of you tonight. So when we get inside the 10, I'm going to come out. I need you to get these touchdowns. And uh, that that locked on Bucks host guy. Yeah, he, he can miss the playoffs because I'm not helping his team out. Yeah. Um, oh, and he conspired with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was like, uh, my shoulder hurts a little bit. I'm just going to rest the rest of this game and, and I'll play next week. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, not that I'm bitter. Um, I totally forgot what I was. Uh, what I, what I was, Yeah, I know. I was going to say something about. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay. And finally, my my final point for Devin White. Of course, this weekend is the my cause, my cleats. Did you see Devin White's cleats for this game? No. They have Daisy May on them. That oh, dude cool. is going to ball for Daisy May because his cleats will raise money for animal hydration awareness. Oh, okay. So, yeah, this is going to be his his Daisy May game, and he is going to ball. And go figure, it's against a team named cool. after horses. Yeah. Anyway, uh, David, bold prediction. Uh, I like everything you said about David White because he's my IDP. My bold prediction is that Rojo is going to bounce back and have 100 yards of total offense or more. Nice. I am going to, you know what? You you said we weren't allowed to talk about him in uh, in the defensive player of the game, but I will talk about him in my bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Vita Vea is going to get the better of Quentin Nelson, and he's going to finish with one and a half sacks and an additional tackle for loss in this game. One and a half sacks for Vita Vea. That'd be nice. That would be nice. All right. Of course, on the crossover Wednesday episode, I gave my score prediction of 30 to 16, which I added in the caveat of the Colts 16 included a missed extra point from Adam Vinatieri. Doesn't look like the greatest kicker in the history of football is going to play this weekend. Poor Vinatieri, man. What a struggle he's had this season. Not the way. Not the way he thought he was going to go out, but I absolutely love Adam Vinatieri. He's such a cool dude, and uh, I, I wish he had had better success this season. But nevertheless, uh, David, what is your insane mathematical formula uh, to predict the score for this week? I mean, it's really not that insane, but here, here it is. So in the last four games, I, I chose to use the last four games because it's a quarter of the season, like – Four games represents one quarter of the season. It's a nice round kind of number, and it's more of a reflection of what's happening with this team now versus like using an entire season score because you know the Colts have been such a, a hot and cold team, and the team that started the year really isn't the same team that's going on right now. So I use the last four games. In the last four games, when the Colts have lost, which is three out of the last four, like we said earlier, they're surrendering, surrendering an average of 19.75 points, which or they're scoring, sorry, an average of 19.75 points, which obviously I'm going to round up to 20. And when they lose, they are losing by an average of seven points per game. So all that being said, my prediction is Tampa Bay 27 to 20 over the Colts. 
All right. Well, there you have it. For those of you not interested in our uh, our running series of David Reviews Star Wars, this will be it for you. We appreciate each and every one of you. And of course, you can check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. And at Bucks underscore Nation, send us your post-game reaction voicemails to those of you that have been enjoying these uh, Star Wars discussions, welcome to David Reviews Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. David, what did you think of the adventures of Jar Jar Binks? The overall movie was not bad. I actually think it was like, it was, it was my second favorite one so far. Really, actually, Your actually, really liked it. Favorite, yeah. yeah. So I like, uh, I like Qui Gon. He's 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 a legit dude. Um, I like the guy that plays Obi Wan now. I can't remember his name. Uh, Ewan McGregor. Yes, I like him. Um, I like Queen, whatever. Oh, Queen Amidala. Yeah, I like that okay. character. Now, funny thing about Queen Amidala. Did you notice? that there were two actresses that played theoretically queen Amidala. I did, but I already knew that part of the story. So that's, did you? Okay. Yeah. Do you know who the other actress was? She's another very famous actress. Oh no, I have no idea. It was Kira Knightley. I know who that is. I don't know who that is. The, did you ever see the pirates of the Caribbean movies? No. Okay, well, and that's what I know her from. She's in a lot of like, um, oh, what's what's the phrase? Uh, period pictures, where a lot of the movies that she's in are stuff kind of like the Pride and Prejudice and and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, where it's it's way back in in the Renaissance era and and yeah. those types of films. Uh, but yeah, I she, don't watch. Right. But that's how I know her because of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you know, obviously I have seen those movies. 
Johnny but, Depp creeps me out, so I don't watch those his movies. Johnny Depp is a creepy guy, not a good human. That Johnny Depp, but a very talented actor. No, but anyway, he was not out. in Star Wars, so we're going to move on. From creepy Johnny Depp, yeah. and so now, if I remember correctly, your favorite of the original trilogy was six. It was Return of the Jedi. Okay, so you've ranked Phantom Menace ahead of Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope. Very interesting. But it's Luke Skywalker's fault. (laughs) I don't like Luke Skywalker. (laughs) Like, Luke Skywalker was a better hero than the... Like, I feel like Episode 5 could have been better. Um, Yeah. I just... Well, actually, I'm, I'm almost wondering if it's Mark Hamill. Like, I might just not like Mark Hamill. We'll see, because I'm pretty sure he comes back in the series. He does. He does. That was a big selling point when Disney relaunched uh, the franchise was they were going to do a new trilogy and they were bringing back Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford to reprise their roles as Luke, Leia and Han. But she's never mind. Okay, we'll get into that later. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see whenever I see him again, like there will be enough time. That if I see him, I just have a visceral reaction. Then it's it's probably just Mark Hamill. Like you just may have one of those faces to me that I just don't like. Um, but we'll see. Um, but as far as episode one is concerned, yeah. Uh, so far, I mean, if I have to rank them, like yeah, it's it's my probably my second favorite of all of them. Jar Jar Binks doesn't bother me as much as apparently he did a whole lot of other people because I do mm-hmm. remember all the kerfuffle about that too. Um, I thought it was kind of cool that Anakin made C-3PO because I was not aware of that. Um, so to me, that was kind of cool. But this movie also represents one of the the moments in my life where I felt really stupid because I remember that when I saw Palpatine, right? That's his name? Yeah, Senator Palpatine. And I, yeah, and I messaged you. I was like, you can't tell me that's not the bad guy from the first set of movies. And then I kind of went back and watched some of them and realized that they had CGI'd him into those movies so well that wasn't as smart as i thought it was and i think we discussed this on the last one but no ian mcdermott who plays senator palpatine he did play palpatine in episode six so he just reprised yeah he reprised his role but they did cgi him into episode five that is that is correct yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So me thinking I'm all smart and look at me putting two and two together. I'm actually not because they put them in the damn movie. <laughs> um, so that was cool. That was a proud moment for me. Um, you know, I'll never forgive them. Whatever. But uh, so you know what? You know what uh, I did come to realize though that, that the pod race scene was way too long. Yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, that whole thing was drawn out. Um, well, and they added. When they released him on Blu-ray, George went back and added in the third lap of that pod race. So in the theatrical release, that pod race uh, scene was about 10 minutes. No, not quite 10 minutes, but it was it was significantly shorter. And he extended it for for the Blu-ray release, which is, of course, what they've used now on on Disney Plus. Yeah, it was a bad decision. Um, not good. <laughs> um but uh, so I can't I, I realized a couple things. And the first thing I came to realize watching this movie is that Jar Jar Binks is responsible for everything that happened in episode four, five and six. 
really please connect these dots for me because this is wild because if you remember when they when they so when jar jar meets the the jedis right they mm-hmm. save him from getting brushed up by the big brusher machine whatever and so he says in his broken language i'm you know i'm indebted to your service now because you saved my life as they're escaping they're saying like we gotta find somewhere to go and jar jar is like well i know of a hidden city we can go to like, okay dude cool let's go and he says oh no we can't because i've been banished and they said look dude you either take us to your banished home or we're going to die here. And he takes them. So if Jar Jar Binks honors his banishment, those two knights are dead. There's no Obi-Wan to take Anakin under his wing. There's no trip to Tatooine. There is no... And, and the way that the council was hesitant about letting them train Anakin in the first place. Like, if you think Anakin is, is bitter and mad when they meet him, like, imagine, I mean, I got the whole, like, prophecy, like, he's the chosen one. Da, da, da. So, eventually, you imagine there's going to be some Jedi Knight that finds him. But if they get killed in that moment, then Naboo, right? That's in the city or state, whatever, planet. Um, Naboo is where the queen is. Are yeah. you talking about where the Jedi temple is? Where they, so, because the Jedi are on their way to tell them, hey, you're about to be attacked. Let's not get you killed type of thing, right? So if they die in that in that moment, they don't get to her to tell her about the oncoming attack. When they're there, when they do attack and take her prisoner and you know they're going to force her to do all this stuff, they're not there to save her. So all that stuff goes exactly the way that Palpatine wanted because there's no pesky Jedi Knights to get in the way. Um, you know what I mean? And maybe a, a few, but the war rages there with the Federation and, and Naboo and all that stuff. Granted, and maybe later another Jedi Knight stumbles upon young Anakin Skywalker. But by that time, Anakin's older. He's definitely gonna be much more bitter. Um, he's, he's, and, and when this whole thing gets brought to the council, um, the council already had an issue with how old he was and he hadn't even started his training yet. The council already had issue with how much potential, you know, anger and fear they felt in him. If you just multiply that by however many, how much longer it takes to get that war figured out and everything else, like Anakin never gets trained. If, if this whole thing, if they die, if Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan die with Jar Jar because Jar Jar is like, oh, no, Misa can't go back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the fact that Jar Jar decided to dis- disobey his banishment is the reason this all happened. He's the reason what? there's Darth Vader. He's the reason Luke Skywalker sucks. While I do actually shockingly somewhat agree with that in principle there is something that you have not seen yet that will debunk a little bit that's, of, why, that's how stories go and i appreciate it i look forward to those moments yeah we'll 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 have that conversation when you when you get to that it's actually one of my absolute favorite scenes in all of the prequels okay. um when when you get to it but yeah well and to your point uh, you know, if if Qui Gon and and Obi Wan die, granted, I don't think they would have died there. I think they were doing that as a scare tactic to get Jar Jar to take them. Um, but your your point still stands. If they don't go with Jar Jar, they don't get the busted ship. They don't end up. Uh, or they don't. Yeah, they don't take the the ship the bus when they're escaping Naboo. They don't have to have an emergency landing on Tatooine and stumble across Anakin. So all of that is still uh still very valid. Um, 
but also to your point, that also means uh, we we get more Darth Maul, which would have made me much happier. I love Darth Maul. Yeah, Darth Maul would have he would not have been rushed into combat the way that he was, and he would have had more time to grow and thrive under the evil that is Senator Palpatine. And you know what I mean? Who who knows what happens after that? Um, that's definitely a valid point as well. Um, actually rewinding a little bit from before that scene, you know what I really didn't like about that movie? What's up? Is the fact that suddenly, out of nowhere, seen three movies involving Jedi Knights and seeing what they can do and, and all that stuff. Jedi Knights can just hold their breath for an unlimited amount of time while the poison gas finish fills the, like what? Like seriously, they, like they sat there, poison gas coming in the room and Qui-Gon's like, oh, poison gas. And they both just go, we're good. <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a super long amount of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was long it was enough. The guy minutes. was like, they should be dead now. So then they open it up and they both come out and they're like, oh, not only are we not dead, but we're also not lightheaded from not breathing for all that time. And we're super strong still. No, come on, dude. Well, um, you also have to look at, you know, the lightsaber battles that you get in. In the original trilogy. Versus the flips and spins and all the craziness that you're going to get in the prequels like. Oh, the spins drove me crazy. Like every really, time. Every time Darth Maul spun while he was fighting, because you see it coming. Like, like as you're watching the movie, you're like, "Wow, this this Liam Neeson dude is about to get murked." Like, the, this is the end of Liam Neeson in these movies, and he hasn't even told anybody about his special set of skills. So I don't even know why he's dying yet. <laughs> um, this was long before he developed those special set of skills. <laughs> every t- well, I, again, I mean, I never saw him holding his breath for extremely long periods of time while saving his daughter from sex traffickers. I mean, you know, like where did this stuff come from? Every time Darth Maul spun, I was like, well, not every time it it took me like three to five times of Darth Maul spinning, which number one rule in hand to hand combat or knife range combat is don't turn your back on your opponent. So every time Darth Maul spun, I was like, stab him there. Okay. Okay. Stab him there. Yeah. Stab, stab him there or or there. (coughs) Could also stab him there, or or stab him, stab him again. I mean, uh, why aren't you stabbing him? And uh, I mean, I know why because the script doesn't tell him to. But like again, it it kind of goes back to the whole like you can choreograph these things in a way to where like Darth Maul beats him, and it makes sense. Like you don't have to go through all this crap. And essentially make like, I understand the movie is obviously science fiction, so none of it makes sense. But within that realm of it not making sense, you can still make the stuff in that in that space make a little bit of sense. Because then at the same time, there comes a point like all this fighting is going on, all the spinning and all the triple sow cows and, and whatever. Like and then as I can't remember which one it is, but one of them is getting close to like killing him or getting the upper hand. And he just sticks his hand on. He's like, he's like, oh, no, you're about to kill me. Force you away from me. Like, okay, why, why didn't you just force him into the hole the first time you spun or the 12th time you spun? And why isn't the Jedi guy forcing you into the hole? Like, uh, again, like just some of these things just come out. And it's like, hey, I like I, I could just imagine they sat around the the, the table and like, I have an idea at, in this moment, this one moment only, let's have him do this really cool thing. But that's the only time he's ever going to do it because that's such a useful skill that, of course, they would only use it once. It's like cheating if you use it more than once. It's like challenges. You only have two challenges, 
So you have to make sure you spare. Like, come on, man. Um, well, uh, yes. and the theatrics <clears throat> of it. I'm sure the kids loved it. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. And my kids to this day still love Jar Jar. That was the whole like. This is this is what he, I'm I'm gonna minorly step on a soapbox here because you'll see a lot of people complaining now about the Disney Star Wars and how Kathleen Kennedy, who's in charge of Lucasfilm, she took over for George. You know, she's destroying Star Wars and ruining my childhood and yada yada yada. And it's mm-hmm. people our age that are doing this complaining, and what they can't seem to fathom is that. They want Star Wars to age with them, and it's never going to. Every yeah. Star Wars movie ever made has been made for children. Yes. So these Disney-era Star Wars films that my children absolutely adore, I enjoy them immensely. And if if Episode Nine is, is as good as I think it's going to be and I enjoy it as much as I think I do, I'm going to end up liking the sequel trilogy overall more than the original trilogy which i'll get some crap for but they love jar jar they love ray they love uh bb8 and and they love the stuff that's for them and this is not a movie for 35 year olds this is a movie for 10 year olds so that kind of stuff just drives me absolutely bonkers. Like, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. The, the lightsaber duels are not the least bit practical, especially when, when you're someone who has been trained in fighting and I'm 37 and you're, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, but, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. Like I, I, and I understand that. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's why I was saying like the other movies where it's like, it sounds like I probably don't like, it's not that I don't like them. It's just, I'm, giving you my thoughts of them as a 37 year old male who thinks about all these kinds of things. But like my 12 year old son, isn't going to sit down and watch this movie and be like, Oh man, he totally could have run him through from the back on that last spin he did there. Cause if he did, uh, I'd probably be concerned about it. Um, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, cause I mean the target demographic, like let's okay. Uh, uh, princess Leia's bikini and, and the, the scene where like, okay, what, is Jabba the Hutt going to do with Princess Leia in a metal bikini? Absolutely nothing. So that whole thing is for whose benefit? The prepubescent or pubescent or adult males watching the movie. That's who. That's what the. That's who. That's what the bikini was for. So again, it's it's target demographics and everything else. So I get why it's happening. It's just you know, I'm I'm giving you my thoughts from my foxhole. All right. Well. Um, David, any, any parting thoughts on, oh, I've got uh, more. Oh, oh you've got more. Okay. Oh, I've well, got more. All right. <laughs> all right. Problem number two with Yoda having all of these misgivings about Anakin. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know how this ends. Like we know who Anakin is. Got it. Like we all, we all know who Anakin is. If you don't, uh, I don't know. I'm not really sure why you're listening to these reviews. Um, so we all know who Anakin's about to be. So Yoda has these misgivings, has this Jedi Knight telling him, I want to train this dude because I think he's worthy of it. Da, 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 da. Just trust me. He's like, I don't trust you, but I'm going to give in to you eventually. And then he turns in Darth Vader. No way does that same Yoda 
cave when it comes to Luke. Given that that experience, no way. Like if Yoda is this all genius, great dude that pop culture is supposed to have you believe he is before you watch these movies, there is no way that Yoda experiences this storyline with Anakin. Um, and I haven't even gotten to the part where he turns into Darth Vader, so I don't know what ultimately leads to the whole thing. I'm pretty sure I kind of know, but I don't want to say. Um, and then all those years later or whatever, like when Luke comes has the same, like, cause these are the same, like he's too old and I see weakness in him. I see hatred or whatever, fear, or whatever in him. And I don't trust it. No way he's going to allow that to happen again. Like it's just not going to happen. So that wasn't another thing that, that got me about that movie. Well, and, and the other thing that, you know, you kind of have to, it gets a little convoluted. Sometimes these writers kind of paint themselves into a corner because do you remember, you know, obviously you remember that scene where Yoda's going, mm, no, too old. Um, and then you hear the voice of, of Obi-Wan, you know, you know, well, was I much younger when, when you taught me, but then in episode one, you see Yoda's not the one that taught Obi-Wan Qui-Gon was. So yeah, Yoda put that together. <laughs> yeah, Yoda wasn't even Obi Wan's, um, you know, uh, um, master. Yeah, but you know, it's just this little throwaway line in Episode Five, and and then to go back to it, it's like, well, you know, in in this one that was made in 1981, they said this, and and now, uh, you know, in 1999, you know, this isn't what's happening. You you kind of just have to little things like that. You're kind of like, eh. I'm I'm just gonna brush it up, but I get what you're saying about about Yoda. Um, you're right. I it is kind of surprising if you watch them, and that's why I told you watch them in release order. Yeah. If you watch them chronologically, you're like, really, Yoda? You're making, you know, you're making the exact same mistake twice because yeah. you know this is all the same stuff that you saw in this kid's dad, who you have not told him is his dad yet, even though you know. Yeah. But you're gonna you're gonna run that that risk twice. Granted, it worked out for him the second time, but yeah, you know, yeah, I agree. It he was he was outvoted and and he lost. So Anakin got to be trained, and he got to be trained by a guy who wasn't even done with his own training, but his master died. Yeah, just doesn't make you know. And so I've identified who Yoda is in football terms. Oh, I have my Yoda comp. Are you ready? Oh, no. I hope it's better than Luke's. I feel bad for Luke. I mean, I like this person, but he has his struggles and his failures. Are you... I think I know you're, where you're going with this. Who, who is you, it? Who do you... I'm going to give you three guesses. Give me three guesses who you think this might be. Jameis. No. Okay. <laughs> I will tell you this. It's not a player. So you got two more guesses. It's not a no, player. Not a player. Okay. John Gruden. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> that lines up. Everybody thinks he's this super genius, but he keeps doing stupid stuff like signing Antonio Brown and starting Derek Carr and coaching the Raiders to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So I've used, I've used two guesses. Give me one more hand. Give me a conference. AFC. AFC. 
Um, Mike Tomlin. No. Yoda's Rex Ryan. Oh, God, no. For one, Don't the do color that, fits. Yoda. The color scheme fits. I'm talking about Jets Rex Ryan, by the way. For one, the color scheme fits. Two, Rex Ryan, like Yoda, looked towards two separate people to be the quote-unquote saviors and was wrong about both of them fools. One of them was older. One of them was younger. I'm talking Mark Sanchez and Brett Favre. And Rex Ryan is supposed to be this super genius kind of coach and and football mind and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, I don't don't get too crazy about it. Like Rex Ryan has a lot of positives for for all the failures that he's had. But at the end of the day, now I think Rex Ryan kind of did it in reverse order than Yoda did, where he made the mistake with because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Favre came before Sanchez, right? Where did Sanchez come before Favre? No, Favre was first. Okay, Favre was first. So so he gets Favre and he's like, hey, lightning in a bottle. Fantastic. Let's do this for a prolonged period of time. Oh, crap. That didn't work. Let's swipe that off the table. Now we'll bring in Mark Sanchez. Hey, lightning in a bottle. That's great. Let's do this for a long period of time. Nope. That's still he made the same mistake twice, just with different age-looking versions of the same basic, basic storyline. So that's why. Because if you look at Yoda, man, like Yoda is not all that. Like he's How just not. How dare you? He's, I'm sorry. Look at the story. He's just not all that. Like... The dude preaches, listen to your inner self or whatever, whatever. And then twice now, he he ignores his own instincts, what the force is telling him. And it results in crap. And then, I mean, I, I don't know who, who Adam Gase is, but I'm sure we're going to meet him soon. Maybe Jar Jar is Adam Gase. Adam Gase. You know what I'm saying? So that's my comp for him. That's why. That's where I get that from. That's my connection I'm making. Um, I know we're running a little bit long. Um, and then I've got kind of one final thing that I have that I took away from this movie, if you want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Have you recovered from the Rex Ryan comp yet? Uh, I'm not going to be okay with that ever, but that's your opinion and you're entitled to But do you understand it. where I made the connection? Like, can you at least a, a, see where... A little bit, but... Can you see why I'm standing here in left field by myself? Um... But I also don't view Luke Skywalker as negatively as you do, so I'm I'm also not going to agree with that aspect. I do agree that he made the same mistake twice, but at least the second time it did work out as far as the story is concerned, whether you believe Luke Skywalker is a turd or not. Imagine if Rex Ryan came back to coaching and coached Mitchell Trubisky-led team won the Super Bowl. That's basically what happened at the end of Episode 6. All right. Um, so moving to my final thought. So I now understand that Luke Skywalker and all of his crap is hereditary because at the end of episode one, Anakin Skywalker literally accidentally gets into a dogfight, accidentally flies to the exact correct spot he needs to, to accidentally save the day. Absolutely ridiculous. Do you do you want the um, the Star Wars explanation for that? Sure, but I'm going to give you my comp first for Anakin. Now, based oh, off of geez. this movie alone, just this movie alone, he's the Nick Foles of superheroes. I can accept that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, ahead with the Star Wars explanation for how this toddler accidentally did all those amazing things. Well, I don't know if it's fair to call a 10-year-old a toddler. Granted, we're calling a 50-year-old in The Mandalorian a baby, but yeah, that's true too. species age differently. Um, it's, real, it's real simple, and it's a huge cop-out, but it's the God's honest truth. The reason Anakin could do that was the Force. Right, and that's fine, but here's the thing. Like you've already laid the groundwork for this dude to be like the prophesized chosen one, and uh, he's like the best Jedi of all the Jedi's to ever Jedi. So use that. Just just make him a super awesome Jedi. Like you know what I well, mean? Like I don't know. Like have his eyes turn blue because the Force literally possesses his his punk ass and and do all this great stuff because the Force is like, no, you're our savior. So we're gonna make like I could accept that more than he just stumbles into it. Like that's, that's well, lame. it was. It was alluded to earlier in the movie, and it again, it was another little throwaway line that you probably didn't catch, but it was the reason he was so good at pod racing. It was the reason he was the only human. Exactly. Yeah. And no, so I thought what about that, too? What the if he can see before does, it happens? How does he accidentally stumble into all these mistakes? Because if he can see it happening, he should make those mistakes. Well, the way the force is working is it's kind of leading him. And it's kind of, how can I phrase it? It's basically maneuvering him to where he needs to be. So it looks accidental, but the honest truth is in the star Wars galaxy, that it was the force that was dictating the things that Anakin was doing that again, looked like an accident, but were very purposeful. He just didn't realize it. So it's kind of like, the Eagles suddenly finding a defense in a running game right as Carson Wentz goes down and it looking like Nick Foles actually won the Super Bowl when in yes. reality it was the forces around him that won the Super Bowl. Yes, um, there, there's an incredible rant by Freddie Prince Jr. when he goes after the same people that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And Freddie Prince Jr. voiced a Jedi on an animated series. Okay. And he talks about how the force was explained to him by Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni was George Lucas's protege. He's the co-creator of the Mandalorian with John Favreau. So Dave Uh Filoni has a more intimate knowledge of all the workings of star Wars far more than anybody else. And the explanation is the force dictates who is strong. The force dictates how quickly you pick up the force. The force dictates who wins and he goes all these people are mad because han solo gave his millennium falcon to a girl that's not how that works luke skywalker learned the force in 30 seconds flat on a plane trip with this guy and all of a sudden he's the greatest jedi in the world that's because that's what the force dictated and the force dictated balance you know there was always two so there was Palpatine and and his apprentice. Well, you know, on the other side, the Force gave us gave us Anakin. Well, then Anakin bounced over. So now you got two on one side, none on the other. So the Force gave us twins, Luke and Leia. That's mm-hmm. the balance, and it's all decided by the Force. Again, it's a cop out. Yeah, but in the realities of the Star Wars universe, that's how that works. Yeah, that's that. No, that doesn't work. But I, I, I see <laughs> where they're trying to come from. But that's lame. I'll um, send you the video because it's phenomenal the way he tears these people down. And it is not safe to put on this podcast. Nice. 
Yeah, no, that's that's lame. Um, and then so the but the other part of that whole situation is Qui Gon, right? This entire time he's had this kid in his protection, and he's like done doing everything to protect him and like overprotective father mode and all this other stuff. And like one or two scenes prior says, don't leave my side. You'll be closest right next to me. And then two scenes later, it changes to no young child sit in the spaceship and don't move. The kid that you found because he was, was a genius with spaceships, whatever they're called. I can't remember. Oh, the pod racers. Yeah. The pod racers, the kid that you found who, saved your butt because he was good with a pod racer. The kid that you are now pretending to be overly protective of your idea of protecting him in this moment of grave danger is sit in a spaceship and don't do it again. No, like, uh, like of all the things that are going on, like you could have, like you could have a fight scene where Anakin gets, you know, gets like swept away or gets maybe even like grabbed up by a by a trooper or something and they're over there fighting and he's like, "Oh man." And they get separated by like some wall or a blast or a fire or something and they can't get to each other and you know, uh Qui-Gon like uses the force to tell him like, "Anakin, you're going to have to meet us over here. You're going to have to do you're going to have to, you know, I can't get to you." Like duh, something dramatic and Anakin's like, "All right, dude, like time to be the super Jedi you're supposed to be." Let's get this done because Anakin does have that personality of I'm not a weak victim. I am a problem solver. So if there's a problem, I can figure my way. So put him in a situation where it's him, a problem and a ship. And he's like, well, I can fly pod racers. Maybe I can fly this thing. Let's give it a shot. And now the force is like, yes, Anakin, you can fly this because I'm going to come in here and make this whole plot plot series work because we need to make money and, and Disney is strapped for cash. Um, and then he goes back, like, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there are ways to thread this story to where it fits with what you've already laid out. But Qui-Gon being this overprotective dude over this kid, Anakin, and then saying, no, young one, just sit in the ship and don't move. That that doesn't make any sense, man. Uh, to, to me, I always viewed it kind of as that paternal instinct. Like, yeah, I've never put my children in a running car and said, don't move. Well, yeah, I get it. I was thinking more along the lines of like somebody breaks into the house and I throw my kids into the closet and shut the door and say, don't make a sound like to me. That's probably kind of where his brain was thinking. It was he wasn't thinking, hey, sit in the ship and and it's going to end up turning on. It was more sit there because no one's going to look for you there. And we got to go fight crazy tattooed face horn forehead, dude. That's going to beat the crap out of us. You'll be safer here. Wait in the ship. I'm going to go die real quick. I'll be right yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I like, again, I liked the movie, so don't get me wrong. <laughs> My, you know, and, and it doesn't help that I'm watching these now, knowing that I'm going to come on here and have to give takes. So I'm, I'm watching, it's, it's like watching football. Like, you know, as well as I do, watching football before you start writing and talking about it is a little bit different than watching football afterwards. Um, that is very true. I watch football very differently now than I yeah. used to. Yeah. So, so that's why I love bye weeks because bye weeks I can just sit there and watch football and not have to worry about what I'm going to say, what I think, how I think it could. You know what I mean? But again, I'm watching this movie. Like, okay, what are my thoughts about this movie? So it's giving me a little bit more of a critical, analytical, whatever you want uh, approach to it. But those are just kind of my thoughts. Again, like I get why I haven't, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy the movie overall. Um, 
I've already watched. Uh, I don't think I finished episode two, but I've already watched part of it. And I can already like spoiler alert. I don't like Hayden Christensen or whatever. I like not the person, but like his depiction of the role. I don't like. Oh, poor Hayden. Poor Hayden gets hated on a lot. And I don't know him or I haven't seen anything else that he's been in, but I don't like his portrayal of that character already. To me, a lot of the problems, and I will tell you this, Attack of the Clones, episode two is by far my least favorite Star Wars movie. Fantastic. Can't wait to get even deeper into it because I I don't think I finished it. I think the the last part I remember is they're in like the Coliseum and. uh, Okay, you're you're not too far from the end then. Okay, but yeah, and like she's like up on the pillar, like choking out something. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah, like the lizard or something. When they're fighting the giant horn monster and the praying mantis. Yeah, yeah. So that's how far I've gotten. That's the uh, yeah. That's that's the farthest I can remember anyway. So I'm gonna have to start over. But yeah. I I think a lot of the problem with episode two is how cringeworthy some of that dialogue is, and. Hayden gets a lot of flack for it. And I think he was really good in episode three. Um, But again, a lot of this dialogue is not, it's not easy to portray. In fact, Harrison Ford very famously on the set of episode four, a new hope, you know, back then it was just called star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they were trying to get through a scene and he looked at George and he goes, George, you can write this crap. We can't say it. Yeah. Which is very true because a lot of it is so, you know, crazy and it's all these gibberish terms and all that. So George Lucas trying to write love story dialogue between Anakin and Padme is just so cringeworthy. Yeah. From what I've seen, it's not good. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like he's the one that stands out more than anybody else. And I get admit, it's, it's hey, he's running the play that the coach called. You know what I mean? So exactly. I got it. Um, and you got to think they do, you know, a dozen takes of every scene. So these are the scenes that George picked to say this is this is how I was trying to convey this character in this moment. So yeah, I mean, Anakin's a, a whiny snotty brat in episode two i again i really like him in episode three um but of course you know what's going to happen in episode three but episode three has um yeah yeah. it has my favorite lightsaber duel of any star wars film and it has one of my it has my favorite moment of the prequels and one of my favorite moments in all of star wars so i'm i'm very excited to talk about that one with you but Attack of the Clones is going to be an interesting discussion uh, ahead of the or after the Lions preview next week. That's episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because they go and get the army. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Oh, um, yeah, cool. Sounds good. Can't wait. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Phantom Menace out of five lightsabers. How many are you giving it? Um, three point seven five. Mainly because I really thought that there would be more Darth, Darth Maul, whatever, uh, redheaded horn guy. And I was a little disappointed just how much there really wasn't of him. Now, are you aware of the fact that they brought him back? No. Yeah, they brought him back. Darth Maul did not die there. But not in the movie. Definitely, he got cut in half. They wrote an arc 
in the Clone Wars animated series where because he was a Sith and a Sith is yes, a Sith is the dark side, but it's actually a perversion of the dark side. Um, his hatred actually kept him alive long enough that he was able to attach his upper body to robot spider legs which then evolved into just regular robot legs but his hatred and power in the force kept him alive long enough to be able to build a second or a lower half of his body so he's now Darth 3PO kind of that's weird really stupid yeah uh, I have not seen those episodes of the Clone Wars yet so I'm not 100% sure on how that was conveyed I just know that he did live and he was in the Clone Wars and he was in the animated show Rebels he's in the Clone Wars which is episode 2 no 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 the Clone Wars was the animated series oh okay oh this is Attack of the Clone right yeah the Clone Wars cartoon takes place in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith which is episode three? Yes, but I'm not watching the cartoon thing because there's a lot of them, right? There are a lot. There's like six seasons because so, so I won't have to sit through that. February, garbage. So yeah, I mean I it's it's very highly regarded uh, amongst Star Wars fandom as to how good the Clone Wars cartoon was. So well, I'm I'm going through it, but yeah, I'm I'm more. You and I are just talking about the movies. Sweet, that's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> All right, well, we will wrap it up now because, uh, well, we still ended up almost going 120 minutes, David. So thank you all. That's fine because it's all Star Wars extra stuff, so it's called bonus content. That is that is absolutely true. So thank you to all of you who stuck with us through this. Coming up after our Lions preview next week, we will have David reviews Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Bad Dialogue. Until then... Check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. You know the Twitter handles. You know the phone number. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. And the Jedi I admire most met up with Darth Maul and now he's toast. Well, I'm still here and he's a ghost. I guess I'll train this boy. And I was singing, my, my, this here Anakin guy, maybe Vader someday later, now he's just a small fry, and he left his home and kissed his mommy goodbye, saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi, soon I'm gonna be a Jedi, we were singing, my, my, here Anakin guy Maybe Vader someday later Now he's just a small fry He left his home And kissed his mommy goodbye Saying soon I'm gonna be a Jedi